I think everybody has the power to create their own life. It's like, if you want to live your life on your own terms, you have to create that. What does that look like? You know, well, it looks like having the discipline to work for yourself. The, the science exists for like everybody to live pretty comfortable lives. But, you know, certain of these characters are making like millions of dollars a minute. There's no reason there should be anybody on the street. There's no reason there should be anybody who's hungry. That sort of pain and suffering is unnecessary. My passion is cinema, and I get to practice cinema at its most fundamental level, which is editing. You know, editing is the thing that is the only thing that is unique to this art form. It's the juxtaposition of one image followed by another. You know, you, you don't go to the beach and uh, like walk out into the ocean and ask yourself, what's the story here? You just enjoy it. The Part Black Project is basically a photography Q&A um, where I, I'm the photographer, I, take, I, sh I shoot the images myself. So, cause I've had people approach me and be like, hey, can I just send you pictures and I can do answer the questions? I'm like, no, really it's like, it's me documenting people who are mixed with some African ancestry. Right. Um, and that part is pretty much the key. And it, and it doesn't need to be African-American, you know, anybody who identifies with any sort of the African diaspora I'm, I'm interested in. Um, and it's, it's, for me, the idea behind the Part Black Project is that I believe that if you have some African ancestry, it's a very, it's a mix that is distinct from just being mixed. You know, I think that like, I think everybody on the planet is mixed to some degree or another, unless you, you know, unless you can count your ancestors back multiple, multiple generations, right. you know, from like certain pockets of like Africa or Asia or Europe. You know, if you live in, in the Western world, you know, whether it's the United States or Brazil or, you know, what is Central South America, um, Canada, um, you know, most people are mixed at some point along that journey. Right. So and, be, and being mixed, being mixed is great. But <laughs> I think there's something very specifically interesting and unique about um, having a, a black ancestors. You know, right. so I wanted to document that experience. Cool. Can you talk about like your own personal? Yeah. Like so my um, my mother is Nicaraguan and French Canadian, mm -hmm. um, and my Nicaraguan family is, are are primarily descended from Spaniards. You know, white yeah. European Spanish ancestry, uh, and that's my mother's side. And my father's black African American. Mm -hmm. um, Fairly light skinned, you know, not uh, his skin tone is like right around the Will Smith complexion, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously there's been like some mixture in his background as well, you know. Right. Um, so, yeah. But when people ask me, I, like I never say black and white because one of the things I'm also like uh, when it, like this idea of people being colors is something I'm very adamantly against. Mm -hmm. Um and I would like to move as far away from the idea that like, oh, well, you're black and you're white. Like, I'm not I'm not black and white. Okay. I'm African-American, French Canadian and Nicaraguan. Right. Yeah. Um, and because when you look at my father, who is considered African-American, you know, he's not like a black man in the sense of like like Wesley Snipes. 
you know, or somebody who's like from Africa, you know. Right, right. And so I think that I think the idea of, of colorizing people is a very it, 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 it's alienating. Right. So I guess in, in my question would be, why have black in the title of part black? Because I think it's a cultural thing uh, for okay. me. So and 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 I think it's to to acknowledge that that black is a, yeah. a, a cultural there's a, there's a cultural element to the idea of black and when you say black mm -hmm. um specifically in like in my case and, and in the case of this project i think black has a meaning in the united states and in north america and mm -hmm. in, in all of the americas i think black possesses a quality of of culture and ethnicity mm -hmm. because most of the people who who are here who identify as black are part of that African diaspora, right. and we don't know we don't know where we're from, mm -hmm. right? As opposed to being, you know, if you say that you're white, you probably know if you're Norwegian or English or Swedish or Italian or yeah. wherever your ancestors come from. So the idea of being white is 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 a power claim. In the same way mm -hmm. that saying that you're black is, it's a, it's about uh, a community. And, and forming a community because you don't know what your community is historically, you know, you don't right. know where you were taken from. So now that you're here in the States, you, you, you assert, you assume this title of, of black and blackness. Right. Um, but I, th but for me, it's, 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 it's a label that is losing its power as, as, as a soul, um, concept to bind behind right because you get people like candace owens well she's black well what does that mean she's she's pushing an agenda that is for white supremacy and um a number of other things that that i like i, I wouldn't identify as like black issues right but her skin says she's black so right. you know so what do we do well, yeah, about Stacey somebody Dash, like that you know yeah, I mean? yeah. <laughs> her as well you know i mean there's so i i think there has to be something greater to, 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 to bring people together than, than the color of somebody's skin. Right. And I guess like one thing that's kind of powerful for me is figuring out the, so like taking, separating like race from like color to become more of a cultural uh, practice, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's makes me ask you like, how do you feel about finding a community where you, when you don't fit either cleanly in like white, or maybe Nicaraguan spaces, and you don't fit cleanly in like self-claiming black spaces. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You find yourself like in the middle, or do you, do you find yourself in the middle, or what yeah, is that? No, I self-isolate a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, and, and it's look. I don't know how much of my my personal preference for solitude has to do with my my cultural and ethnic background yeah. um, or if it has to do with me being a Scorpio, like, you know, I like, I don't know. I like being alone and I like small groups of people. I'm not big on, on yeah. any sort of um, clubs or cliques or, yeah. or uh, any sort of monolithic identifier, whether mm -hmm. that be black or African American or Nicaraguan or, or, or European or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, I mean, I think it's, I think it's one of the, the, I think it's one of the beautiful things about being American mm -hmm. um, is that we embody all of these things. And I think that right. there's a tendency in the current climate to self-impose mm -hmm. limits and yeah. with, with a lot of the identity politics. I think, I think there are, people are actively trying to 
uh, embrace a title that is that create uh, ironically creates borders. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, because the same people who were fighting, who were fighting to like not have borders, tend mm-hmm. to be the same people who say, "Well, I'm this, 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 this," and hyphenate their entire life. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's a very um, I don't know, something very contradictory at work there that Mm -hmm. I don't personally like, I don't know, to answer your question, how do I feel in these spaces? Yeah. You know, it's, it, it depends. Or do you find yourself like code switching for towards blackness or whiteness in a space? I mean, yeah, constantly, but I'm like, I feel like I'm in a constant state of code switching Yeah, yeah. and it might be why I prefer solitude because that shit is exhausting. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's very, it's. It's tiring, you know, but yeah, in any sort of large group or, or mm-hmm. not even a large group, you know, if we go to the movies with eight or 10 people or a group of six people or whatever, um, there's always going to be, but, but this goes, but this is the thing, this goes for everybody, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the yeah. fact that I'm mixed and I have three sort of like, uh, cultural identifiers that I align myself mm-hmm. with, if I was just white. Or if I was just black, whatever that means, if I was just Nicaraguan, Mm -hmm. if I was in a group of people, as an individual human being, I'm still going to feel that there's elements of me that I might not be able to share and relate with everybody. That's just the human experience. And that's what I'm most interested in. That's part of what the Part Black Project is about, Mm -hmm. is saying, like, look, you might be black and whatever else you want to identify with. Mm -hmm. I might be... uh, Black and whatever else I want to identify myself with. But these things are really just... What, what what it indicates is that the human experience is an all-encompassing experience. Right. Loneliness well, applies to everybody. Isolation right. applies to everybody. Alienation applies to everybody. You know, the the the, the desire for love mm-hmm. and camaraderie applies to everybody. You know, mm-hmm. so like all of the stories in the Part Black Project are specifically about what it what it means to exist in that in that space. Okay. But when you read these stories, I think if you're if you're just Asian, right, there's a lot you're going to find in these stories to sympathize with, you know, so. Do you feel like um, I mean, there's so many other things I want to ask you, but just to kind of at least kind of wrap some of this section up, like, Mm -hmm. do you feel like you are approaching power questions of power at all? Like when it comes to like identity, like. Cause this is all, some of this stuff is like cultural and identity kind of like finding these like pockets of like where we're situating our understanding of ourselves mm-hmm. within culture. Mm-hmm. But what, I guess my question to you is like with this project, mm-hmm. is there some challenge to like, does this challenge like different, like what is that power that's keeping us separated or like, is that what you're going after is kind of creating this community like are you creating a community and is that like i don't know I, don't, I mean i don't i don't know that i'm creating a community because that's not like <laughs> i mean for me it, it i kind of felt like you were when i stuck because i was like oh my i, I finally sure, have sure. a home you know, I, 100 and i hope people feel that way like i want yeah. people to feel that way i am ill-suited to be the leader of a community <laughs> i but i am well suited to Tell create why. um because I'm, I'm an anti-social person <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so I, I, I'm well suited yeah. to have the idea and to and to and to create the space for a yeah. community to exist, but to be but to be a, a, a you know a figurehead or a leader like I'm very like I'm a I'm I'm like the dude in the in the corner at the party who's like watching, 
You right. know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm an observer. Right. Um, it's like as a kid growing up, I always thought like the cool role would be vice president, not president. You know what I mean? Like right. I, I, like I'm not somebody who because and 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 again, this might be because I'm mixed, but I, you know, what and it's like part of like why I think I'm a really good editor of of, of cinema. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you tell me what you think that your vision ought to be, and I I can make that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I can realize that. Yeah. And so in any and I, and I think to be like a traditional sort of like leader or community organizer, you have to have a vision that you believe in. Right. And that vision is 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 the guiding light, you know. Right. I I don't know. Like I don't <laughs> like as that. long as you're not hurting anybody, that's my vision. <laughs> right. And that's part of what maybe like the Park yeah. Black project is about. You know, I right. feel like there's a lot of violence that goes along with this idea of like, well, you're not black enough, you're not white enough. You know, you're taking my job. You're doing like every everything is ab- about uh, othering people. Part right. of like most of what the Part Black Project is about is removing that otherness and saying I don't care how like how many and and like how mixed you are. Right. We're all in this together, and as long right. as you're not hurting anybody and you're supportive and 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 loving other people around you, like that is what matters yeah. most. You know, so if you're if if I'm Part Black and you know, when I was eight years old, nine years old, ten years old, and one of my best friends, you know, a, a classmate, his his dad calls me a nigger because mm-hmm. he doesn't he doesn't know anything about me. Right. But they're white and they want to know why their son is hanging out with a nigger. Mm-hmm. Well, that's me. And so I've lived that experience. But I've also right. lived the experience of like my grandmother taking me to Europe when I was 13 years old for a three month journey across the continental European countries. Right. And. In those spaces, they just think that you're dark skinned. Then nobody's like mm-hmm. thinking like, "Oh, you're black," you know, because my grandmother's right. white, and they you know, it's, they can't it's, quite place you. They right? can't quite place me, you know. Yeah. But it's not this aggressive sort of racial thing, you right. know. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I mean, as far as a leader or or being or creating a community, or I guess like, is there is there something? Is there a, this power? Is there, are there systems of power in place that you feel? That like make you angry or make you like no. want to do something. No. Okay. No. I like your position as an observer, though. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 No. I mean, this idea of power. Like, I don't. I, mm-hmm. I. It may be the privilege of being mixed. It may be the privilege of like growing up with with a you know first generation immigrant grandmother. Mm-hmm. but who had white skin yeah. who always told me I could do whatever I want with my life. I can, right. you can be anything, you know? Right. So she came as part of this wave of immigrants from Central America who like, mm-hmm. they were always told they could, they were part of the American dream. They right. can do whatever they want. Yeah. So she grew up telling me I could do that regardless of what my background was. And so I don't, I don't, I don't, and like my, I've like, I've invented my life, you know, like I barely mm-hmm. graduated high school and I went straight from high school and joined the army. Like that was a choice I made to escape my circumstances. Mm-hmm. Everybody in this country has that option, you know. I'm, in terms of power and and like what I think about power, I think everybody has the power to create their own life. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're black or you're Asian or you're a woman or you're my mother's a lesbian, you know, if you're gay, if you're a lesbian, if you're trans, you have the power to make choices in your life that empower right. you, you know. Right. That's that's my feeling about it, and I and I gotcha. do, and I understand and I appreciate that there's systemic disadvantages for a lot of right. people, for a lot of groups, but right. an individual is not a group. 
And I think right. that's an important thing that each person has to realize about their own experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's definitely a lib, a liberatory philosophy. I think my, where I have trouble with it maybe is just like when you encounter systems like the police or prison where there is sure. just, there is just this immovable force that you, even if you have this individual, like the statistics and the, the math of it is that there will just be only so many who have the, even if you have the freest of minds, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you want to set your life in the way you have these dreams. It's just like, you are a free person and a free spirit, but like the police will kill you. You know what I mean? Like that's not an option. That's yeah. not like no amount of like, of like free thinking will like, or inventiveness can mm -hmm. like, like stop my like dad from getting killed or my uncle from developing diabetes because of like, the cultural historical settings of like po politics and power of food mm -hmm. deserts and all, you know what I mean? So I get, I get in my head about like, like I agree. Cause I want, I practice the, that same philosophy, but I also want to figure out like, like, can I use that, that free thinking to like still remember that there's like police and there are these like very, there's like violence and propaganda that's in place to not make us think that way. To not allow yeah, us to yeah, have the, yeah yeah there the absolutely is I mean one of the things that I'm you know like I'm part of this group called Pops the Club mm -hmm. it's a um, not for profit organization where kids in high schools you know me or other volunteers I haven't done it in a while because there's not a school close to the Buena Murray offices but um, you know you go spend lunch with with high school kids mm -hmm. and you encourage them to write. And, and the kids yeah. that you're sitting with have family members or parents who are in prison, you know, mm -hmm. and like prison's terrible, you know, and right. we live in a, in a, in a, in a, in a country that is addicted to, to imprisoning people, you know, yeah. to, what's that? It's a business. It, it is. Right. It, it's a, a business. business, you know, it's part <laughs> yeah, of the reason yeah. why I'm like super anti Kamala Harris, you oh, know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't care. And this, and this is where like, uh, you know, my, uh, uh, you know, some of my, my problems with identity politics come into play. It's mm -hmm. like, well, I don't care if she's a woman and I don't care if she's part black. I, like, I don't care. She is part of a system that has mm -hmm. like for a long time, do you want to do, do that? Uh, yeah, matter, I can. Or, I'll, I'll I'll fix it up. I mean, I can just keep um, talking, and you can like. <laughs> Here, I'll I'll pause and stuff. Sorry. So you mentioned yes. you joined the army. Yes. To escape. Something. Yes. And I'm sure a lot of people do that. <laughs> Go into yeah, army yeah. for the same reason. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that experience, like how you went in and yeah, you came out? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I went in uh, 17 years old, yeah. um, barely graduated high school. I was, you know, not a very good student. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have a lot of options. Um, mm -hmm. There wasn't going to be a lot of options. Uh, the idea of like going to a community college in my neighborhood in, in San Francisco was like, I mean, I can't, I, I, I can't imagine and at that time, I couldn't have imagined a more unattractive option. <laughs> um, so I joined the army, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I was a medic. And uh, I spent, went to basic training, and it was like the most difficult thing I'd ever done in my life. 
but I I responded to the army really well. Like I I loved the discipline. I loved the yeah. order. I yeah. loved <laughs> the work ethic. I loved the um, you know, they they. There's the, the the military is mission oriented, so you know what you're doing there. Every single day, you know what what you're there to do. And what it's you're like doing. structure yeah. heaven for someone who yeah. likes structure. If you're really into like... structure, it's like the perfect space to exist <laughs> yeah. in. And like... um, also, if you're and if you're physical, you know, yeah. like I wasn't a very athletic person in high school, and then I got to the army, and I would like <laughs> realize <laughs> the gifts of my genetics, you know. And I was like, wow, like I'm fast, I'm strong, yeah. I like uh, 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 coordinated, like all oh, like I should have played fucking football. Like I <laughs> fucked up, honestly. Like I could have been like I could have been on this like, football scholarship. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I could have been a college athlete for sure, you yeah. know, but that's just, that was not, I like, I was running from the cops. I wasn't running <laughs> yeah, down yeah. football fields, you know, like I was doing other stuff. And so the army, the army was really good. And I was lucky that I, w- I was a medic though, because right. it, it provided me an opportunity to like not only escape my, the circumstances I was in, but also give me skills that allowed me to you know, not get, not get out of the army and just do the same and, and, and go back to the same life that I had come from. Yeah. You know, um, I was very fortunate to when I was spent a year in Korea and when I was in Korea, like all, like I've like from going from no discipline to loads of discipline, <laughs> like I'd suddenly, I wanted to jump out of airplanes. I wanted to go Ranger. <laughs> I was going to go special forces. Like I was like gung ho, like going to be lifetime military. Wow. And when I was in Korea, one of my sergeants was like, look, Bellevue, I know you're like high speed and who you want to do all this high speed shit. But like if you're going to be like uh, career military, mm-hmm. at some point you're going to want to you're going to go for a sergeant's exam. You're going to need some college. So you're here in Korea. Take take a college class. And um, and I, like begrudgingly, reluctantly, I was like, all right, all right. I'll like I'll I'll sign up for a college class. Signed up for history and psychology, and the first time in my entire <laughs> academic career, I got A pluses, and I and, and it was because of like the discipline I had developed <laughs> over the course of basic training and right. AIT. Like I learned how to study, I learned how to work, I learned how to commit myself, I learned how to focus, and the 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 sensation of getting an A plus in, in a class when I'd like, like the best I'd ever gotten was like a C yeah. was life, life changing. Yeah. And from that, and from, I mean, that was the summer or the fall of 1995 from that, from that time until a couple years ago when I just like sort of tapped out of UCLA extension courses, <laughs> I was, I was enrolled in college, a college course every single quarter of my life wow. for like 15 years all through the army you know got my associates by the time i got out of the army but all those classes were thrown out when i started calling they were like yeah. none of this shit <laughs> like these 12 credits apply you know everything yeah. else you have to redo so like started college when i got out of the army and was like addicted yeah the dean's list like like every accolade you could get in college i got i was a president of the film club like did and and that was an interesting shift like i don't like was, you're asking questions and i'm just giving you like my history so i'll let you ask <laughs> but like the army was it. amazing and like i like i would have stayed in but i got out because i got so hooked on on school yeah 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 wow. what do you think it is that that like drew you to maybe not just the military but just what do you 
kind of like about structure or like do, do you find yourself liking self-improvement things or yeah yeah like, I mean, what I'm, is it yeah 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 i mean i like like i said earlier you know I, i've i've invented my life and like i'm, I'm right. pretty firm believer of of that you know if like you don't like your circumstances then you should change them right you know and like does that come with a belief of like but it's going to take a lot of like self discipline or a lot of no lot of well you know i never i didn't know about work like when i decided to join the army i didn't know about work i just knew mm -hmm. i like I, I like work was a stranger to me you know what i mean like <laughs> I, I, I got fired from working on an ice cream shop on my day off like i was not like an industrious <laughs> person when i was a kid you know yeah, yeah. or a teenager it was like but I always knew that, like, if I didn't like a situation, yeah, I could, and 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 that might be because, like, my dad wasn't around, and my mom was in and out of my life, and my grandmother raised me, but like, when she didn't like a situation, she just fucking dipped, you know, and like she did something else, mm -hmm. and so like knowing that I could make my life right, like any like anything is a, is a product of like my circumstances and my role models. Yeah. And so I joined the army not not because like I like I was attracted to the discipline. Like I ain't know I ain't know anything about the I like I ain't know anything um practically about mm -hmm. the discipline I was about to engage in, you know. <laughs> yeah. When I got there I enjoyed it, but I, that's not why I did it. I made that choice because I had friends who were getting shot, friends who were going to jail, friends who were unemployed, mm -hmm. friends who were dropping out of high school, friends who were getting their girlfriends pregnant. Right. And I was looking around and I was like, nah, man, this is not, like, I can't do this. You know, like, I grew up on John Hughes movies. Like, I was trying to live that life. Wow, you yeah, know, yeah. so I had to, like, I had to get out of the bay. Yeah. And I knew the only way I could achieve, like, the life that I, that, like, I wanted to manifest was to, to leave. Mm-hmm. And that was, and that's the choice I made, you know, I had yeah. to do that. Wow. And so cool. that's, I mean, that's power, you know, yeah, it's yeah. an individual power. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't address these systemic things, but yeah, it, it does. And it doesn't it like through your own making of yourself, you kind of change the world, right? It's like this kind of like leading by example type of, I, I was just going to say, I mean, you that's, know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I feel like even the first time I talked to you, we kind of just vibed out on all these different ideas. And then you told me about the military. I was like, oh, yeah, like I, I definitely I mean, I had a different situation, so I didn't go to the military. But I definitely the things that you were describing about how you pushed yourself to these levels and kind of reinvented yourself and stuff like that, I really connect with. So mm -hmm. one thing I wanted to ask you is just like kind of to nerd out on your daily what what things keep you going in the like what's your daily routine like you know what i mean when do you, <laughs> you when do you wake, daily routine when do you wake up i think sure. these are because yeah, okay yeah, yeah, so let yeah. me qualify like i guess like on a small scale to me these things are what how i the reason i'm even sitting here and doing the things is because mm -hmm. i literally wanted to change every part of my life and i was just like it's mm -hmm. gonna i need to do these things and i have to commit to like waking up yeah. early and i have to do yeah. all the if i want if i really care about them these things yeah. in myself. So I say that to ask you just like about your own, yeah. is it, is, is your like when you wake up or what you eat or, or how you eat or when you eat mm -hmm. and who you associate with, is any of that important to you and how does it manifest in your daily life? All of it is important. It's all important. You know, <laughs> well, it's okay. all important. So I get up, I, my, my alarm goes up at 530. Uh, and it, mm -hmm. I hit snooze a few times and I'm out of bed by six. <laughs> Yeah. Um, What's your rule? You know, or, how do you how do you commit to that? Just for the listeners out there, for anyone oh who man, I, you just you just gotta look. You just gotta ask yourself like, 
if your life is great, then great. Get, yeah. Wake up at 10 or whatever you do. Wake, mm-hmm. get up, wake up five minutes before work or whatever. If, right. if you're, but if your life is something that you want to be different, you got to make sacrifices. You yeah. know, you have to find the time. If, if you're somebody who can like go to work at nine or 10 or whatever, mm-hmm. and then get off work and like work late and work until, you know, work on your passion, Right. your side yeah. project, whatever that is, and do that until one in the morning yeah. and then sleep. Like whatever you're, you just got, you have to make the time. Whatever it takes. That's, I guess whatever my question is. And so for me, the reason I get up early, mm-hmm. part of it might be the military. Part of it might be that I'm a morning person. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it might be that there's less distractions in the morning. I mean, right. I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't I, like all, like for me, all those reasons. But you know, something like, is, something to me, I mean, I could be wrong, but something is like, inspiring you to make like when you're when that alarm goes off and like you're just not in the mood you're like not today like i just don't want to do it, it doesn't matter whether it's, <laughs> whether I'm it's like, like feverish or sick or like <laughs> but i mean what is that thought that keeps you from being like nah i'll just not today you know what i mean like isn't is there anything that keeps you just like like this is I don't, vital like or, i don't want to i don't want to work for somebody else forever <laughs> yeah yeah see this is you know this is crucial yeah like, this is it. it's 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 like if you want to live your life on your own terms, you got to create that, and yeah. you have to create that. Yeah, I believe that. And what is that? What does that look like? You know, well, it looks like having the discipline to work for yourself mm-hmm. in whatever space and time that you can find. You know, right. for me, it's easiest to do in the morning because there's no distractions. I'm I'm coming out of a, a sleep state mm-hmm. and going right into a, like a, a waking dream state of writing right. you know so i wake up alarm goes off 5 30 5 45 i'm up by six make some tea sit down at my laptop what kind of tea green tea to herbal tea whatever is, whatever is, yeah i mean whatever I, like i'm not i'm not super particular about my tea okay uh, you yeah, know like curious. no earl gray bullshit though like or something <laughs> horrible um but and then i and then i write for 90 minutes uh, you know, 90 yeah. minutes, two hours. If I can, if I can get two hours, like two hours means I got to get up. Basically, I just like I, I backtrack it back from like when I have to be leaving for work. And so right. normally I write for an hour to 90 minutes. Okay. And so is there, can I p- just pause yeah, you and yeah. ask you a question about this process? Yeah. Something I'm a big fan of and that I learned just through honestly listening to different interviews mm-hmm. is this process called morning pages. Are you, is that something so that's you practice? that's a Tim thing. Yeah. But I do that at work. It's actually, so there's a woman who she's like super old. She's in her seventies and she talks Mm -hmm. as if she's literally in her like Mm twenties and I wish I knew her name, Mm -hmm. but I heard an interview with her and she like invented the morning pages thing. Like she was the wife of Martin Scorsese and not that that's too important, but it's like, he's had like five wives. Yeah. This is is like way back. So she talks about that kind of thing. And then she basically yeah morning pages and she has this very it's almost like a spiritual thing where she's like you get up early and you write your morning pages because Mm -hmm. and there's like this space of like no don't judge anything you write don't Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to see if that's kind of what you do or or maybe even other practice i mean i i do morning pages but Mm -hmm. that's that's just that's not like when i get up in the morning to write i'm working on my book okay and we, uh, I was, no, to, I was, we my next question <laughs> was going to be like, if it's writing towards a goal or is it writing like, uh, what is it called? Like a journal? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm revising the third draft of my memoir. Mm-hmm. 
you constantly on that or are there days where they're like, uh, no, I just want to write about my feelings? No, 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 no. there's no oriented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there's no, uh, there's no, uh, there's nothing else. There's nothing else until that's done. Until that's done, there's nothing else. Wow. Um, And I might like occasionally, you know, if if I'm out and I don't have my laptop with me, mm-hmm. you know, I'll open notes and I'll like, I, you know, I'm thinking of this idea for like this near future sci-fi thing that I wanted. That's just an idea, you know. If I'm at work and I have ideas about a movie that I just saw, or like, like I like I write other things sporadically mm-hmm. here and there throughout the day, with absolutely no discipline, yeah. just as they occur to me. But when I get up in the morning, I'm working on my book until that fucking book is finished. Yeah. And then I, I and then I, then I start, you know, it's like, this is the third, I'm working on the third, it's the third draft. So I'm working <laughs> on the third draft right now. And then when this draft is it? done, two and a half years. Cool. That sounds like an awesome project. Can you, just for anyone listening, like, what is your, what's it about? Like, maybe you just a brief thing, yeah, like why uh, you're writing it and, you know. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's a memoir The the, the, it's basically covers birth until my high school graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, that's, the, and, and, that, and that's it. I don't like, I don't, you can buy the book when it comes out. No, like, like, the, yeah. so like the elevator pitch, right. Is mm-hmm. that like, I grew up, um, not knowing my father or anybody on the black side of my family. And when my grandfather passed away when I was nine, my family realized that his partners had been stealing money from him and their company for 25 years. So I went from going to like private Christian schools where everybody was white Mm -hmm. and I was the only or one of only two or three black. There was, you know, one other black kid, one other mixed kid and one Mm -hmm. Asian girl at my private school. Right. Um, to within a couple of years, my grandmother raised me by herself. Um, I had to transfer to a public school, which was all black and Latino and Asian. And so at that school, I was like the whitest black kid of the student body. So I had to make this pretty uh, radical um, ethnic, cultural, personal transition in the space of my high school years. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it is what I described to you, friends who were getting shot, going to jail, having kids, dropping out of high school. Right. Um, and I had to make a choice for myself, what I was going to do with my life. And the book covers that journey from being born to a 15 year old mother, um, not knowing my father, right. Leaving my, the, the private school situation and going to public school. Okay, cool. Yeah. I know I, I figured, I know before this, I was trying to figure out like what you don't want to talk about. Cause I remember asking about the book and I know you don't necessarily want to talk too much about it. You're like, yeah. just read it. But yeah. I, I, thanks but for, I just mean to say that cause I'm glad and grateful that you gave us just a little in just a snippet. That way it's yeah. like, it's coming down the pipeline. I know you got lots of other stuff. Um, one thing that we haven't talked about yet. So for anyone listening, like Damien has tons of, writing like about movies obviously <laughs> part of black project like cri- like cinema criticism mm-hmm. his own personal photography on his website mm-hmm. um and we'll put the link in the description um but i guess one thing i want to talk to you is about ball in the family and becoming an editor but sure. first can you tell me like i think we actually i was glad to see this because i feel like i not a lot of people hold this opinion but 
I don't watch, I don't like serialized storytelling or episodic storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I read something on your site that was like on television, you know, and it's sure. not like, I mean, I do watch it, but there's something that I do feel very like manipulated about. Maybe sure. it's because of like working well, in marketing weird. or, you know, I mean, so maybe you can talk hangers. about that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, a serialized television exists to manipulate you. You know, the point is to capture your attention mm-hmm. and trap you and keep you there for as long as possible. Right. That's that's why it exists, you know. Um, so how do you struggle with that in your daily life of like, because everyone, sure. especially, I mean, obviously you live in yeah. Los Angeles, so yeah. and I anyone. Mean, anyone well, this, I mean, my passion is cinema. Right. Yeah. So I get to practice cinema every day, all day. And I get to practice cinema at its most fundamental level, which is editing. You know, editing is the thing that is the only thing that is unique to this art form. Not -hmm. photography, not music, not acting, not storytelling. It's the juxtaposition of one image followed by another. Right. That is the thing that makes cinema unique. Yeah. I get to do that all day long. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. So for me, it's, it's, so why is, why just to, so we can go into that part a little bit. Why mm-hmm. do you think that editing, why is editing so high up there on this like importance just to see, well, because can you go the, into it a little bit further? Like, like I guess, so there's screenwriting, like, and then there's the cinematography, but why is editing mm-hmm. like the, the thing? Well, cause you don't need a screenwriter to make a movie. Right. But why? why you don't that? even need a photographer. You don't need a cinematographer. You don't need a cinematographer. You don't need a camera to make a movie. Mm-hmm. You could just j- draw pictures. Well, that's what animation is. You can draw pictures. Or yeah, you could just use text or something like that, it, or or an image. I, I mean, you, well, I would argue. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Could. The, uh, yeah. One could argue. You could make that a you lot just, of money. You could draw, of, yeah, no, you could images. use text, or you could just use images. Yeah, you could like use sim- photographs. You like colors. You and could text, use straight yeah. still photographs. Okay. Yeah, and make a movie. It's been gotcha. done. Like Chris Marker's La Jetée, or you know, yeah. there's any number of experimental films. And I guess so, we're talking about successful. We're not just talking about you could make it because anything could be made, but it would be like received, and it would be like successful. Like that's well, what kind of is what successful. No, I don't know. I mean, I think there's there's like several ways to define success, but mm-hmm. I think like if if it's not shareable or it's not like no one. Uh, but you wants to watch it. I mean, right. That's why I'm saying like, what, so if editing, if you're not editing for something to be watched by someone else or to be like shared by someone else and to gain some kind of momentum, mm-hmm. then how could there be anything? How could there be a difference in importance in like cinematography versus editing versus these things? If there's no, if there's no like idea of success or like if there, if there isn't like a place, cause What's the benchmark that you're saying these things can be important too? You know what I mean? I do you know understand what he's saying? I don't understand the question. Um, well, okay, so you're asking. Um, I'm not sure if you understand, but so I guess like my well, original question was just like why is editing? Because I just want to hear your your take on why editing is like super important. As an editor, like I definitely <laughs> feel that. But yeah. I know that I'm editing because this is going to be like, of course, I can think it's successful, but like that doesn't, it's not successful until something else interacts with it. If you're making work to interact with anyone but yourself. Oh. I mean, that's an, that's an interesting question. You know, I don't, I don't, 
do you make work like yeah yeah i mean the question is there i don't know if it's <laughs> yeah i mean i th i think yeah i mean i think works public works artistic works are meant to be engaged with mm -hmm. yes um so then comes this question of like what is success mm -hmm. you know that's that's a very subjective question you know there's no objective qualifier of success if you're if you're in the business of film or television mm -hmm. well then that's a quantifiable thing right yeah what success is it's money right mm -hmm. ticket sales or streams or whatever you know like the attention can, the economy of attention yeah you can you can qualify like what success looks like mm -hmm. if that is what is important to you um I guess the, my, but, but the simplest what, way to what, ask what, it is what is the important, what is the most important thing about, like, why do it? Why edit? You know what I mean? Oh, I don't, I mean, that's like, why, like, <laughs> why do we breathe? You know, why do we do anything? It's like, it's just something I'm attracted to. Like when I fell in love with movies, okay. I, I, it, like I, I, I grew up loving movies, yeah. but when I like really fell in love with movies, it's like, I, I, I would put the question like this. Or, or this is the way that I think of the idea. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you really, 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 like if, 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 if the thing that's most important to you is in movies is mm -hmm. stories, mm -hmm. well then why wouldn't you write a book? You have all the time in the world to like, you can write like a series, you have thousands of pages or hundreds of pages to like get into a character and, you know, tell whatever story it is you're trying to communicate. Mm -hmm. If the thing that you most value is cinematography and images and beautiful images, right. like if that's what's special to you, yeah. well, then be a photographer, you know. Um, if performance is what most excites you, you, you could be an actor on Broadway or direct plays or, or, or join the circus, you know. Mm -hmm. There's many ways to do all these other sort of things that cinema is, right. is made up of. The only thing you can't really do someplace else is edit. Mm -hmm. And and that's why to me, editing is the most important uh, craft element of filmmaking. Um, the director is obviously the most important person on, on any given set. Um, but most directors don't edit, you know, they edit while they're shooting or edit while they're writing, they edit with an editor. Um, okay which is, you know, the kind of directors I appreciate most is the ones who, who are shooting for the edit. They're not just collecting material and which is what I do, you know? So it's not like, like I love editing. So like the fact that in reality television, you just go out and you collect a bunch of material right. and then pass it to somebody like me to shape. Well, that's right. great. Like, I love that. I can do that all day. Like that's, that's, it's like if somebody likes painting and you're like, here's a bunch of fucking colors paint all day right. mm -hmm. like yeah i love it yeah why not you know or if you're a musician and you're like oh here's like you can just play music all day long okay mm -hmm. it's oh. yeah it's it's beautiful you know right and how do you feel about if someone were like here's a picture i want you to paint this that well that's what, and that's, that's what like i do now editing. like yeah, that's what i'm that doing that's what i do now like this is this is the show mm -hmm. this is the style like luckily i'm at a point in my family? career where, for ball in the family okay. it's like can I'm you far enough along. Ball in the Family is a uh, reality sitcom mm -hmm. that centers around the Ball family. Um, the most famous of which is probably Lonzo Ball, who was formerly a Laker but is now playing for the Pelicans. Um, the patriarch of the family is LeVar Ball, who's raised these three sons who yeah. are all 
exceptional basketball players. Okay. Cool. Sorry, I interrupted yeah. your flow. No, 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 there. no. Because <laughs> I think we we're we we're going to go into it, and then people are be like, "Well, what are they talking? What yeah, show so are they talking about?" Yeah, so the family is like a reality show. Uh, you know, if, if you think Kardashians, but with a family mm-hmm. that's mixed, mm-hmm. um, and that's another part of like the big appeal for me editing Ball and the Family is like, um, in terms of like the makeup of the family, it's very close to my heart. You know. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you definitely do for in most of your off work time and your work stuff is like very somewhat aspirational for me because it's like I kind of work in a situation where my work has I get to practice my craft so at least I think of it as like I'm working toward and and I I can sharpen my skills as an editor because I'm editing and doing all these things but it's not doesn't have a relationship to my identity or my Mm -hmm. you know purpose or whatever it is that keeps us going Mm -hmm. so it like doesn't feed back it part of that energy is lost is all I'm saying. And so it's cool that like, I guess you were able to find a space where you're like, it's has a, it reflects a lot of your own interests, but it also, you're like, you're skilled at it and you're like good at it. And it, it's just this feedback loop. So how did you get involved in that? Or how how did that happen in your life? You know, and I I think there's something, you know, this idea of power and, 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 and why, you know, why I enjoy editing so much and why I value it, um, and why I'm like doing the work I'm doing now as as an editor, um, and the shows I'm working on, it's like reality television is like very looked down upon, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it doesn't have the prestige of documentary. It doesn't have the, the, the prestige of scripted television or feature films, um, and I, like, I'm like, like, I don't watch reality television, you know, cause it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's not what I'm interested in. You know, right. I'm, I'm interested in feature films. Like I'm not, and it's serialized, you know, it's like, I, it's uh, like, I'm glad that I can participate in, in creating a thing that allows people to be distracted and, and entertained for a half hour, for an hour, what, depending on whatever show I'm working on. Right. Um, but like my love for cinema is not a love that's rooted in distraction. Mm-hmm. It's I, I'm, I'm an admirer of the art form and the craft itself. Right. So, um, but I got into it. I mean, it, you know, all, like these threads are all so intertwined. Yeah, yeah. But when I got out of when I got out of the army, I was I was pre med. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, like there's a lot of threads here, but basically I was, I was pre-med. I was going to school in Indiana. I started college in Indiana and I was pre-med in my second semester of college. I signed up for an, my, an elective and that elective was intro to film. And I was like, I had a film class. Like, it was a class about movies. Like I had no idea. This is what a shitty student I was in high school. Like I didn't even know that there was books and I, like th- that, that film was considered an academic thing. I had no idea. Right. And so in the winter break, between my first semester of college and my second semester of college, I read the entire textbook, yeah. uh, Boardwell and Thompson's Film Art, from page one to the last page, <laughs> read the index, read the glossary, <laughs> start, you know, like highlighted everything. I, like yeah. in the three weeks before class started, I was done with that book. And I was just like, give me more. And my life changed. Wow. And I was like, this is what I'm doing with my life. Because I'd always loved movies, but I had no like, I didn't have the language, the vocabulary. I didn't, I didn't have the references to like theory, the theory, the theory to, to talk about it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I just became like 
voracious consumer of film, you know, and I was I was so late, you know, like compared to what, like, you know, you read these stories about Spielberg, like making movies when he's eight years old, like I ain't fucking have any guidance, you know. Yeah. So I'm 20, right. I'm 22, getting out of the army, 21, 22, 22 by the time I start college. And I'm just like reading everything that has to do with movies. Um, you know, I read enough just to like, you know, a combination of like confidence and arrogance made me reach out to like our campus newspaper and say, hey, do you want a film reviewer? Like I can review f- films for you. And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> you know, so they bought me on and quit, like pretty within the year I'd become the, the editor for that entertainment section. So I was, a, I was the, I was a entertainment, jo- I was an entertainment journalist. Um, sorry, dude. <laughs> I'm loud anyway, but, um, but you know, as an entertainment journalist, I was doing film reviews, film essays, um, covering, and then, and then that sort of turned into like, I was covering bands in Indianapolis. Um, yeah. always having like an eye, like I always also loved photography. So I would like became one of the staff photographers of the university paper. Hmm. Um, you know, like if there was, if there was, if cinema was involved, I ingratiated myself. You know, I became the president of our, the, the campus film club, mm-hmm. um, TA to mm-hmm. the, the film, the film professor. Um, I just did everything, like everything that I could do, it, I had to do, I was doing it, you know, and the, the same energy and focus and drive and motivation that I had learned in the army to apply to like being a soldier. I just yeah. took that same energy and then like, okay, so if I want to, if I want to like make movies, right. I got to find every single avenue available to realize that dream. Right. And I did that, you know, and it got to a point where like, as, as a film journalist, I was being flown out to LA for press junkets. That's um, cool. you know, before Heath Ledger died, I interviewed him for his first, like, uh, a night's tale it was like his first movie. Oh, yeah. I saw him, a night's tale. Him, <laughs> Paul Bettany. Like I interviewed them at a round table. Um, That's pretty LL dope, cool yeah. J, like people who were like heroes of mine. Like I interviewed LL Cool J for, what was that movie called? Um, Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> no, I'm I'm uh, all about the Benjamins. All about or the Ice Benjamin. Cube. I interviewed Ice Cube for all about the Benjamins. Okay, okay. Uh, oh, Cool J for another thing where he Don't married. Don't tell me so, it was Deep Blue Sea. Uh, it wasn't Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> um, but I got when it was time for me to graduate. I got to a point where like I was at a, at a crossroads where I was like, okay, do I prefer, uh, pursue film journalism mm-hmm. and become a critic, or do I make movies? And at this mm-hmm. point, I had also like, or is it exclusive? They are exclusive. Okay. They are exclusive. Well, I mean, I that's what they were that. like. They are like v- v- making films and, cri- and and criticizing films are like, you just can't because you get to a point where like mm-hmm. you're criticizing your peers. And that's, mm-hmm. right. oh, I don't yeah, know, yeah. like you we're look talking... at somebody like, like some of my inf- inspirations were like Francois Truffaut, Jean-Luc mm-hmm. Godard, and these guys were film critics until they started right. making movies. And it's just not a good look, man. Like, I don't know how else to put it, but like, you don't want to be like shooting your film and then, you know, you're in post-production, you make a movie, you release a movie and then you go home and like, you shit on your, 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 like, uh, colleagues right. work. Like, I don't, like, I don't know. I think it's, I, I just think it's a different, but I think means... one should still ought to have intellectual thoughts about movies, which I think is kind of lacking today. Okay. But you look at someone like Steven you... Soderbergh or like, I think there's a lot of people who like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go well, ahead. well, no. I, I, this is see. I wanted to save some of this for basically now because I knew that you have a lot to say on this. But yeah, I just want to qualify yeah. for anyone watching, listening. That like, um, so on your website, mm-hmm. uh, DamianBellevue.com, mm-hmm. you have 
you know, it's like on this movie, on that movie, or on mm-hmm. a particular thread. And I just want to see how you, if you want to situate it. The reason I ask about like, can you be a filmmaker or an artist, a creator mm-hmm. producing work, but also be critical, which, you know, it doesn't mean you're shitting on things, but actually maybe you're appreciating For things sure. deeper yeah. than some other people. Yes, yes, yes. But I just want to figure out like, how do you feel that you sit in there? Because it feels like you are doing both, but maybe I'm wrong or maybe you have a different uh, way of seeing it. Yeah. We're losing lights. Oh, we're losing oh, yeah. lights. We're losing them. No, I don't. I don't. Uh, um, you don't assign them like a score. No. And I'm also not doing, <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing film reviews anymore. So I think that's like when I first went to L.A. and I was very frustrated with like my path in L.A. as like a a filmmaker and wanting to make wanting to make like I made a short and it didn't go well and I never finished it. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go. Like I like I was having so finding so much success as Mm -hmm. viewing films in college. I'm just going to do that again. And so I did that for like a year, maybe a year and a half. And I was just like, this is this. This ain't it, man. This is not what I want to do. Like, I don't want to spend my life discussing other people's work you know so the stuff that jared's talking about and that i've been doing recently is just sort of like reactions and reflections on things that i see so it's less um criticism that you might read in like the new yorker entertainment weekly and more like um sort of think pieces and just like you know i I see a film i get really excited about and these are the sort of things i get excited about um the piece that i wrote about once upon a time in hollywood like it's not a review of the film at all you know it's like it's it's literally like watching the film a few times what occurred to me is that it it shares a lot of uh formal similarities to the royal tenenbaums and so i just sort of explored like that idea and why that occurred to me and what it means to me and um, and it's in no way uh, uh, an assessment of the film's value um, or how well it's made. Yeah, it's it's a per, it's 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 an it's a it's a personal essay mm-hmm. that uses the film as a jumping off point. And so that's what I've been doing more with like like whether it's on uh, Rachel Cusk's last book or on right. you know Tarantino's last film. It's it's really like me writing an essay that's just my sort of um, my reaction to a work with you know if, if I'm like time wise I'm at a place mm-hmm. energy wise I'm at a place where I don't have the I don't like I don't and this is why I don't want to be a critic. Cause they have to write about everything, yeah. great movies and shitty movies. Yeah. Like I don't, like I don't, I don't have ninety minutes or two hours, or, you know, to write a really well thought of, like a well thought out, well edited, thoughtful critique of a film. Mm-hmm. It's, it's six hours of work, right? If you if you love it and you care about it mm-hmm. and you want it to be good, that's right. six hours of work, easy. You know, if you're, and that's if you're writing about an average movie, you know, if I'm right, if I'm, if I'm writing something about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that's so deeply layered, forget it, man. That's like weeks of work. If you want to, if you want to give it, it's just like a, a proper treatment, you know, right. and yeah. like, I, like, I'm not here to criticize those films, but if I have a reaction to it, I, I love the art form. I, I want to write about it, you know, cause I'm a writer, you know? So like, if I'm at work and like, I'm and like, I, and I'm editing, but like I'm in between episodes or like I'm waiting for music from the music department or whatever, and I have an hour. Oh well, yeah, I'll open a Google Doc and I'll jot down some thoughts about this. Mm-hmm. And that's where most of like yeah. the writing that's on my website is really just sort of like 
It's not super polished. It's not super well edited. It's just sort of like blasts of my thoughts. Here's 500 words on this. Here's a thousand right. words on that. Here's 250 words on this. Like, but you also don't have to like, part of the beauty of it, and at least in some of uh, my eyes would be like, you don't, you're not beholden to some of like the limitations that like in the commercial space of criticizing or whatever mm. that are like, oh, but this, if you say this thing, then that really isn't like gonna get readership or this isn't, isn't for sure. or this is like detrimental to the film or like your political situation as a critic within the film mm -hmm. critic space or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know much about it, but, uh, I like, I like what you write on there. So Thanks, and a lot of it resonates with me. That. Um, yeah. And some things are like, I'll write about a certain book or a certain author or a certain film. And other things will just be like you mentioned, um, excuse me, on um, on television. And like, yeah. that's just my thoughts on like a form, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, one thing that's is that like a, an essay that I'm working on right now that ties back into the Part Black project is a few weeks ago, I was riding my bike home and I rolled up on this girl who looked mixed. And I asked her if she was would be interested in participating. I told her what the Part Black project was. And, um, and I asked her if she was mixed and she said, no, I'm Brazilian. Hmm. And that's such a fascinating, like that is what I want American to be. Right. You know, and, 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 and which is not to like negate or overlook people's personal identities and how they, how they self identify. But I think there's something so beautiful about this idea that like, despite the fact that she's clearly mixed, right? <laughs> right. Clearly, like her, like her features were African. It was, like her skin was just light. Right. But her, her, her relationship to her identity is that she's Brazilian. Mm -hmm. Not that she's African American or Brazilian American or even mixed. You know, like this is a, a racial construct that in the United States has proven very beneficial for those in power. And Brazil is a whole different situation. Right. You know, so their identity, whether you're a, a light skinned European descended Brazilian, or mm -hmm. you're, you look like me and you, or mm -hmm. even if you're Asian and you're Brazilian, you're fucking Brazilian. Cause there's hella people from like all over Asia, there's, all over parts of Brazil. Like there's a, there's a, or indigenous, yeah. you know, there's no hyphen. There's no hyphen. Right. Yeah. It's not a hyphenated culture, uh -huh. you know, mm -hmm. and that, and that, and that more than anything is what I wish for. Now I don't know what America. you got against hyphenated. I have a hyphenated name, uh, <laughs> 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 oh. but I went to, which uh, is it not a political yeah like identity political game or anything. It's just like two parents who were never married, who just were like, mm -hmm. not sure what to do. Let's just, we can share, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I have a kind of a, the hyphenated argue, I, I understand what you're saying, but the kind of criticism of hyphenation, I think I have a different reading on it just mm -hmm. because there isn't just this like monolithic, like this is why people hyphenate. And it has to do with this neoliberal, for sure, for sure. Like identity politics, but, because hyphenate to me is like, is the opposite, is what you actually seem to be standing for, which is like, we're multiplying the meanings rather than boundaries. And like, I'm not, I'm clearly only this one thing and therefore I'm not going to like share, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I want to put that out there just as a like, sure, no, as, a, and as an alternative that. perspective of like, you know, what do we need? What do we mean by hyphenation? Mm -hmm. So Sorry, yeah. no, you were about to no, flow a, on something. I think when I was in Europe too, they were so 
confused about being Chinese American. They're like, yeah. you're Chinese, but you're American. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, like, what do you yeah, mean? What, what do you mean? <laughs> Aren't you just American? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But like, there's also this other side. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think the melting pot thing of America, they they want to be like, no, there was something before America. My parents came from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I think like if you're from France, there's tons of generations of just being born and raised in France. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they probably like, identify as French. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. America is a very young yes. country. You know, this is another thing that I just think is like so, you know, fascinating and frustrating about American culture is that it's, it's, it's an incredibly young country. And when you look at the problems that we have with infrastructure, when you look at the problems that we have with education, mm-hmm. when you look at problems that we have with so many things, it's, it's these problems often have to do with our, our youth as a nation mm-hmm. and, 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 and the, the othering that is inherent in our national character. And when I, when I criticize or, 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 um, you know, frame something like a hype, like a, like a, uh, a culture that's hyphenated. Mm-hmm. And, and if you say you're black, there's no hyphen, there's no hyphen, you're not hyphenating yourself. You could say you're African American. Sure. Oh, but well, like, okay. A hyphenate, not of names necessarily, but of like, no, culture. not of people's names, yeah. like a culture, right. like, Oh, I'm Italian American or I'm like German American. I'm Italian, like, of, like an endless okay. hyphenation of like who, what you identify as, gotcha. as opposed to like this girl that I met on the street who just said, well, I'm Brazilian. Right. You know, she doesn't, she, she no longer identifies as being, well, my, you know, I had ancestors who were from Africa and some of my family's indigenous mm-hmm. and like my great grandfather's from Spain. Like those, those ideas are not occurring to them because mm-hmm. the character of Brazil as a Brazilian yeah. is so clearly defined. She's Brazilian. There's no confusion about it. Right. America is a very confused country. Right. And it's because everybody's running around trying to stick a claim on like, well, I'm like this and I'm that. And it's like the sooner everybody can just embrace the idea that we're American people. Right. The sooner that like so many things can be resolved because Americans are looking out for Americans as citizens and not just, Mm. well, I'm black, so I'm going to look out for other black people. No, if you're an American and you see people who are being uh, uh, victimized by the police. Right. And they happen to be black, but they're Americans. Well, you can't treat Americans like that. But you can treat African-descended Americans like that. Well, if, if, this is what I'm saying, it's like... If you see them as, as like the... Something it, else. Once you start, I, maybe what I'm kind of riffing on now is the idea of like... It, on one hand, there's kind of the danger of like, if we identify as Americans, which, you know, a certain percentage has, then we start to have this this hyper-nationalist thing, but maybe if we take it, which can lead us to have xenophobic tendencies and stuff like that, because then we identify as Americans and now we've got that border. Mm-hmm. However, what I'm really liking that you're saying that's clicking for me is this feeling of like, be, the way we hyphenate like Asian American, uh, you know, black American, African American is like, maybe this can give us the leeway to be like, well, we're, because American means white American. Like right now, 
American but this, is yeah. is sure. white American basically. Like that's sure comes from well, white I supremacy. Have a, I have a problem with that. With like that's yes. It's not my opinion. I don't think. I think it's the histor the power of history and who's held the power economically the, and like with the weaponry. You know what I mean? Of mm -hmm. the machinery of of society has been like that to to call Africans you know, three-fifths of human beings, blah, 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 right. the whole story. But I guess that's what's clicking for me is just the idea of, like, if we can agree or, like, somewhat simplify it or unite in some way mm -hmm. as, a, like, being like, I'm Brazilian, I'm American, I'm mm -hmm. the, you know, like, maybe you can riff on that. Is that any of that? What's no, wrong I with mean, that? What's, uh, no, I mean, I'm not that, here to, like, that, disagree or anything. I'm just here to sure. figure out a new, yeah, just no, to keep I riffing mean, that, on it. That so. resonates for me and and. and, and I mean that resonates for me in, mm -hmm. in in a big way, you know, because that that is that's what I hope that we can achieve at some point. Yeah. You know, it's not going to probably be while we're alive, but like <laughs> at some point, yeah. that American just means like people who live in America or right. the United States, you know, whatever 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 that right that yeah. nation is, and like I don't know, like I'm not I'm not in nationalism, like I'm not scared of nationalism or that idea of nationalism, like. If it's not if it's not jingoistic, you know, and it's like oh well, because I'm American, I have to go dominate everybody else. Like well, I don't know, like you go to other countries, and it's like okay. this past winter, I was in Sweden and Norway for two weeks. Yeah. Objectively, if you're American, you're like oh, those are all white people. But if you're if you're in Sweden, they're like oh, well, Norwegians are like super different mm -hmm. than us. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they don't say, "Oh, we're all white people, so like I love you." Like no, it's that's like a fucking crazy idea. You know, yeah. like if you're a Norwegian, you're like super proud to be a Norwegian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you're from, uh, uh, if you're Swedish, you're super proud to be Swedish. But you don't hate Norwegians. You just you you embrace the mm -hmm. what's similar with your countrymen, and you accept what's different about you and like other countries. Right. And so that and this is like this is. I mean, I don't know. In a, in a lot of ways, I kind of feel like America is largely a failed experiment because what Californians have in common with somebody from like Florida, like what? Like it's so different, you know, um, that like increasingly I try to identify as like a Californian. Like I feel like I feel like my identity is like I'm a Californian. If I were to go to New York, it'd be like going, like I could go to New York. It'd be almost the same as me moving to Spain. Mm -hmm. Like right. that's how different the culture is. The space, the 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 right. body language, yeah. um, the goals, the, the the like everything, you know. And we, I feel like people are like we or people like when we live in a place, we make jokes about like, oh, New York, I can't stand, yeah. or people in New York or in the Midwest, like, oh, I can never do like, you know, my grandpa came out here with me and he was like, I can never do LA. Like, I, mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm not doing this. You know what I mean? Well, and, and this, so, like that this is, idea of yeah. community that you were talking about earlier with the part black project, I think in, in one right. way that is like being mixed is a community in that sense. And the part black project helps facilitate that because like that experience of being in between mm -hmm. or not, or either in between or on both sides or multiple sides, however you want to frame it is a unique experience to people who are multi-ethnic, you right. know? Mm -hmm. um, but like this idea of like, what, what, what is American? I mean, so much of like, like you just said, well, American means white and not that that's coming from you, but like the, the, yeah, yeah. the, the, the idea of what America equals How, is white. Who, I guess, right? let me but reframe when you think that. about that, it's like so many yeah. things are, because if, if white, white means European, right? 
Europe, yeah, white. So white whiteness, like, <laughs> has defined what I mean by American. What it means to be American is is largely defined, has been only defined by those who identify as, you know, white or European. And so, mm-hmm. like, for people of color or people that are have immigrated or whatever, which are even the Europeans, mm-hmm. the non-European descendants to define themselves, I think there has been reluctance to identify as American because of that system of power that's in place. And so I guess what I appreciate about what you're saying is just, like, the majority of the world is not people just from Europe. And, like, so for people to start having identities with the place, whether it's spatial or just value-based, like Californian, like, well, what does it mean? Like, there, are you Irvine, Californian? Are you Orange County? Or are you, you know right. what I mean? Like, uh-huh. so then you get to define, is it value systems? You know, I think at the end of the day, it's like that kind of thing that you're talking about, which is self-reinvention mm-hmm. and being able to determine your own identity, which rather than mm-hmm. being like, you're American and the founding fathers say, well, this is what it means to be American because mm-hmm. they, you know, had their own, they had their own values and they maybe didn't care but, much but about But what does it mean to be American today? I, I kind of have like this. Yeah. I mean, in terms of the future, I, like, I, don't, I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like I think <sighs> this, is, this is what I think. Like I think the future is potentially awesome. I think the present is pretty awesome. You know, I just think that there's the, uh, 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 an incredibly, you know, the distribution of wealth is all fucked up mm-hmm. and there's no reason there should be anybody on the street. There's no reason there should be anybody who's hungry. There's no reason like for any, like any of that sort of pain and suffering is unnecessary, mm-hmm. you know? in the world that we live in like we had the 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 science exists for like everybody to live pretty comfortable lives Mm -hmm. you know literally everybody yeah but you know certain of these characters are making like millions of dollars a minute (laughs) (laughs) you know so I, I i don't think you can and and but you know we're like in a new era like how do you gauge what's what jeff bezos is worth or tuck in elon musk or like any of these guys like how do you determine like how much money they should be making after they you invent something like whether it's amazon or tesla or facebook or it's got to figure that out you know and i think there's certain politicians who have ideas about how to how Mm -hmm. to you know regulate income disparity I think those avenues need to be aggressively pursued because right. there's no reason there should be like hundred uh, thousands of people sleeping on the streets of LA while mm-hmm. Betsy DeVos has a boat that she can park a boat on. Yeah. Like right. that's crazy. Like that's fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, or like that's you, crazy. You shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be on government assistant if you have a full-time job. Like the company should yeah, be paying, yeah. Yeah, like no, people why should be making exist? enough money where, where <laughs> like it's not you're, not, you're not even thinking about it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, healthcare should be a right. You know, housing should be a right. Education should be a right. And I think part of like, America's a very young country mm-hmm. and part of that youth has been like, you know, in our, in, in our in our forming and in, in the creation of America, there was this idea of like the rugged individualist, you know, 
you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you work hard, you earn your keep, you do for yourself. Well, it's a different world, you know, like we live in a different world now. Like that might be an, an, an applicable life philosophy if you live on a farm in Montana. But if you live in New York or Chicago or L.A. or San Francisco or Houston, it's like it's, it's not it's not a realistic way to live, you know. Right. These, these, the, those are all social, socialist, if not full on communistic experiences, you know, to live in a major city where literally like, I mean, how, how many units are in this building? This is a socialist yeah, is experiment to live in a, a building that's yeah, 25 what, units, maybe 35, 30 units or something. Yeah. Like that's not the, the life of a rugged individualist. Are you <laughs> right. kidding me? So like, the, the, again, we go back to this idea of like, well, what defines America? You know, if it's a cowboy out on the range, well, sorry, you're fucked. There's millions of people in Los Angeles. So you have to you have to adjust your your, your understanding and your definition of what it means to be a citizen of this country right. for for today. You know, what you know, what do we do with Facebook and Amazon and all these things? Ten years from now, twenty years from now, thirty years from now, I don't know. I think I think it's gonna be beautiful. I think we're getting closer to a place where like, you know. Like if I want to know anything, I can pick up my phone and know it in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Anything. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if I'm hungry, I can walk a minute down the street and get put something in my mouth right. for not like an insane amount of money for a very reasonable amount, yeah. you know? Even, even if you're one of these people who's living on the street, like they have shelter, a lot of them, some form of shelter. And that's terrible. But I just walked out of this movie called Monos, set in Brazil with these ch- children's soldiers. And there was a sequence where this woman's running through like, it's not the, Am- it might be the Amazon, I don't know, but through some jungle. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she's being attacked by the elements, by mosquitoes, by, you know, facing death at every turn. And it's like, yeah, sitting in the air-conditioned Arclight auditorium <laughs> is like pretty chill, you know? So, and, and, and even for the guy who's like in a tent, living on Gower Boulevard or Gower Avenue or whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah, that guy's life is rough, but it's like, it could be fucking crazy worse. You know what I mean? So like that needs to be fixed. And again, it goes back to this idea of like, how do you define American? Like, are you American? Are you American? Or are you fill in the blank hyphen American? Are you othering yourself? Is everybody, are we going through each of our days othering each other to claim some like, uh, 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 I don't know, some value. There's like right. there's there's no greater value than being human. That should be enough. Right. Like you shouldn't have to other yourself to like if if you just like appeal to someone's humanity, right. then they will embrace a trans person. They will embrace a lesbian. They'll embrace a, a, a gay black kid. Right. If you're about humanity. Mm-hmm. That's and if you and if you th- th- like that's my perspective. That's what I want to do right. with the Part Black Project. That's what I'm doing with my memoir. Right. You know, that's part of like my work on Ball in the Family is like I'm working with a family that's mixed. Then it's not a black family, and I'm very careful about saying saying it's a black family. It's a, uh, the dad is like black culturally, but s- super light skinned. The mom's white, yeah. and I, what I do day to day, scene to scene, beat by beat, is humanize these people. You know. Mm-hmm make them real people and that's how people connect you know right. and so i'm like my i'm about humanity mm-hmm. recognizing people as people and valuing people as people that's what's important to me i don't care what, what your hyphen is before american i, right. I love everybody you know like i want to send the loving energy to everybody right 
Yeah. That's all I love message. And <laughs> I guess like, um, so one thought I was thinking of that, that makes me think is like, so then we have the American identity. Is it a step-by-step process to where we start to identify as, you know, people that live on earth? You know what I mean? Because For it's sure. like, yeah, because you get to a point where it's like you, t- if you start to get the cup of pride of American, like identity fills up, but then it's like, it becomes the same hyphen as like, I'm American earth-based humanity you know what i mean it's sure. like you because the about borders like, are all political mm-hmm. and in geo yes. geopolitical so it's like should we even i guess it has me questioning should we even like really how much energy and time should we spend in, in the near years especially with things like the internet blah blah, blah that are like kind of blurring the boundaries of identity and stuff like that how mm-hmm. much do we spend or how productive is it or whatever and i don't have the answers but just kind of seeing what you think about that. You know yeah, I, mean? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I think there has to be some, some, you know, basic, you know, it goes back to like my, my, my army background, but like there has to be some <laughs> order, right? There has to be some organization, you know, so whether you call yeah. it a nation or you call it a company or a corporation or a yeah. city, you know, there has to be some organizing factor, mm-hmm for things to be accomplished and things to get done. Even like you said, you know, there were people here before Europeans got here, they were organized into nations and tribes. Right. And, you know, there were highway systems here before Europeans got here. There were the trading routes mm-hmm. before Europeans got here. Like they were trading between collected organized spaces, you know? Mm-hmm. So like the idea, like borders are manufactured, but uh, sure. But there's always been borders. Yeah, I guess my whether question it's like, is... Like weather creates borders, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Land yeah. and sea creates borders. Like there's always been right. borders. Like how, how much are we going to like... Weather also blurs the border. So I guess my question is the functionality, not whether they should or shouldn't exist, but what is the function? What value do we give borders? You know what I mean? Right now mm-hmm. we give them as like access to power where it's like if you come here and you're not welcome there will be like reward and punishment is like how things seem to be playing out right now which Mm -hmm. is like if you come here and you're not i mean where our nation is obsessed with punishment yeah so i guess is there a future where our borders don't play into these like where we can give them new meaning because it seems like the border like what i love about this conversation is that it like it kind of melds identity into borders into like like there's the abstract part, but there's also like the very clear reality of like physical borders mm-hmm. that we built off identity. So I guess I'm just trying to see with the way things are playing out, like, I guess, okay. So to the Facebook, what I kind of want to see what you think about is also maybe just this last section. And then I know you mm-hmm, sure. want to push your time, which is so while there is this utopian vision of Facebook and Amazon and Google and Apple and stuff like that, um, we also have massive, it's basically they're just creations for advertising. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're taking something that we have a right to, which is our own personal data and, and habits and mm-hmm. thoughts. You know what I mean? Like everything you write in Google Docs, actually Google owns all that. You know what I mean? Like they get to mm-hmm. read all of it and target your advertising based on that and sell that to someone else. I think you should be able to sell that to someone if you, or, or choose to. And so it's like, I say that only to say that that's influenced elections, which has mm-hmm. influenced xenophobia, which has influenced borders. Mm-hmm. So do you have any thoughts on like what the future looks like in that context where like it could be great, but it also 
how do we prevent, how do we acknowledge that reality, but still like see, you know, that there is a future or should we shut it down? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are saying we should really, we should disband, we should like antitrust Facebook mm-hmm. and so, cause it's a monopoly on most attention mm-hmm. and Google as well. So like, I don't know. Mm. I think these are just things that people like us will have to deal with. So I figure you, yeah. you have some cool thoughts about it. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> no. All right, that's fine. Oh, no, no, not really. I mean, you know, I think I, 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 I think about it a little bit, but of, of the many things you just said, the one that I think is the most interesting is this idea to like the right to privacy or yeah. the right to like our information or the right okay. to our own thoughts, you know? Right. Um, you know, outside of like our own thoughts, literally in our head, I don't think we have the right to any of that shit. Like, you know, the, the idea of like the idea of personal anonymity is such a contemporary and modern phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Like pre-America when like everybody like if you wanted your anonymity, you had to fucking leave the village. You had to leave the city you were in. Like you had to like you think there were like Egyptians walking around back in the day with anonymity? No, you, they like look in the Bible, dude. Like people have their history, like their parentage, mm-hmm. 30 generations back. Like everybody knows yeah. everything about you. Mm-hmm. Right. So this idea of like any sort of like, oh, well, they're going to know what I'm thinking or what I jerked off to or like who I dated or who I, mm-hmm. where I worked. Like, so, you know, like this but is the, like yeah. the idea that there's like we have privacy it's such a new idea. Yeah. I just think it's like, it's a growing pain of, it's a growing pain of like modern Western culture that people like can be, can be anonymous. Right. How do you feel about these companies having the power of influence? I mean, that, that, that I don't like in terms of like propaganda. Yeah. But again, for me, it goes back to sort of like, for me, what is like, uh, uh, I don't know if you call it like a uh, you know, best practices or sort of like a, a fundamental philosophy for me personally. But like, if you're if what's important to you is treating other human beings well, mm-hmm. you have to worry about propaganda because you're not you're, you're going to listen and say, oh well, who's the person who is saying the things that are most consistent with like love and compassion and sympathy. You know, your manipulation won't be based on fear, right? So, like, because, like, most propaganda is rooted in in a a fear motivator, right? The fear of scarcity. There's not going to be enough space. There's not going to be enough food. There's not going to be enough heat or blankets or whatever time, you know. Most propaganda is trying to manipulate your fear of scarcity. If if there's no scarcity, which there shouldn't be, Mm -hmm. We, we live in a in a, in a in a world of great abundance, mm-hmm. you know, Trem- like ab- abundant yeah. abundance. We have wa- we have yeah. waste, and therefore we know we have abundance by the amount of just we have an abundant waste. <laughs> so yeah, therefore, we have, a, we have an abundance of waste. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. waste yeah, without yeah. abundance to begin with. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I definitely. Yeah, it, I mean, it's like how soon or how easily is are we can we move away from this from a space where we're like living in in, in, a, in a world that's 
in a constant state of propagandizing. Uh, I don't, I don't have the answer to that. I don't have a timeline for that. I don't know. But like, yeah, yeah. you know, one of the things I do is try to like not support any films that are, are that ce- like her- uh, celebrate or or mythologize police. Mm-hmm. You know, because our government particularly like will do these things where they like insert police officers or CIA agents or government, you know, um, people whose role it is to imprison people, right? penalize people, jail people, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's straight up propaganda, you know? And like, and this is another, re- like you probably read on my essay on television, but like part of what serializing does is like, it's a conditioning yeah. mechanism you know and so the more you can get comfortable with police the more they're heroes instead of like mm-hmm. firefighters or teachers or whatever mm-hmm. like the the easier it is to put people in a police state you know and to ex- yeah to like expect and glorify those like the captures but also the heroes of like oh like he's the, he or she is like the hero because they like captured that person who needed to be captured you know mm-hmm. what i mean like i mean uh, probably yeah that's kind of like cops is the ob- is the f- is the first like it's a serialized thing based on like it's not the same exact like serialized storytelling but it still is like man who who are they gonna catch who are those yeah like who are the person that i respect and has power and like authority who are they going to get next time who's doing wrong well and cops are also charged with doing way too much you yeah. know, cops are co- like, I'm sure the majority, I would say, you know, 51% of police are probably great people. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. 55, you know, <laughs> or whatever, uh, yeah. whatever, whatever the percentage is. But I'm, I'm sure the majority of police are, are good people. That doesn't change the fact that their role in this country, in this society, is very punitive. Like they're looking for wrongdoing, you know, right. instead of just protecting the community. And so yeah. they see somebody sleeping on the street as a problem that they need to fix. And if the individual cop doesn't see it, the, the institution of policing sees somebody who's drunk walking down the street as a problem that they need to fix. Instead of the community being like, yo, dude, you can't just be out here fucking drunk like this. Like, go inside. Yep. Which would happen in most countries. You know, like like in England, like my mom was in London. Mm-hmm. You go out there, you see people like acting a fool out in the streets. It's like people in the community will very actively come out and be like, hey, let's come in here, go over here. Their buddy grabs him, you know, but it, this is right. a different culture where it's like cops are expected to just take care of everything. That's not fair to police either. You know, there needs to be a much more robust sort of like community, right. like government sanctioned community involvement, whether it's uh, educational, uh, policing, um, health mm-hmm. You know, like there should be more in that in that direction right. all around. You know, because I don't like I don't want to demonize police. Like, it's a it's a necessary job. Like policing is right. a necessary job. They just have too much shit to do, too many responsibilities. Like the and, job needs to be redefined. Like although 100%. it's necessary, like it should be redefined. And what you're talking about reminds me of something like, we nerded s- out about with mm-hmm. um the Gabor Mate interview. Uh-huh, yeah, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, cause like you're talking about, so you see someone drunk on the street at a weird hour or doing some behavior that's deemed aberrant. It's like aberration is culturally relevant to whatever, what the normality is defined as. And so it's mm-hmm. like, what trauma did that person go to, mm-hmm. go through mm-hmm. to end up the way they are? And mm-hmm. it, do you see them as 
trauma at the root of their behavior or do you just see them as like criminals they're doing this and they need to be squashed or right. locked up right 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 so that just resonates to me of what you're saying is like if we came at it from a different perspective police is police wouldn't necessarily even need weapons or whatever it'd just be like this system of yeah. like who needs help and where do they where do we need to get them help or whatever mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah um so i don't know how much like factual truth there is in this in terms of like practicality but i heard somebody the other day say that like something like you don't see firemen out looking for fires all right <laughs> you know when there's a fire the firemen go out and respond <laughs> you know but it's like firemen out walking down the street seeing somebody smoking right. or like playing with fireworks like hey you know you're in trouble like firemen are like a, they're a response unit you know yeah. right and police I feel like back in the day in some, you know, mythical uh, yeah. nostalgia laden space, cops were like, oh, there's, you know, the fight, there's a, whatever problem is happening, call the cops. And then they would come. Now it's like mm-hmm. I'm between Los Feliz and your place. Yeah. I probably passed 12, 13, 15 cop cars. Right. Just cruising. Why? why? What, what are, are they, they looking doing? for? What are they doing? <laughs> They're just waiting for something to go wrong. I, it's just, and that is lit. Like to see it, this is maybe four miles. To see yeah. a dozen cops in the space of four yeah. miles in the suburbs. Like this is like we're not even like in a shitty part of LA, right? <laughs> you and know. The, and the things you also likely pass is like rampant homelessness, and so it's like. These cops who are yeah. driving in these, well, yeah, getting these it. salaries. Driving past the LA River, it's like there's a city. <laughs> and so it's like, we, yeah, it makes me, what you're saying makes me think of like this imbalance of like the budget is being spent on these cops who are looking for problems that don't exist to squash people who need help. Mm-hmm. And those people, they should just be helping the people who need help to, yeah. to prevent the, 100%. there was like a study done. I forget what it was, but they did the math on like homelessness in Texas. And they were like, all right, the way we could convince conservatives is that it's actually cheaper to just buy the, all the homeless people a place to live mm-hmm. every year because we spend more than it would take to house them on Policing jailing them, them, feeding and, them, yeah, yeah. On punishing them, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So anyways, I know that we're just yeah. riffing here, but this, sure. it's good to kind yeah. of, this stuff doesn't actually, although we might feel it, I don't feel like I get to, like we're engaging with these issues like because it just kind of beats personally it beats me down every time i mm-hmm. i go through and i see police or like you know what i mean yeah I, I, you just kind of interact with the world it's like yeah it's kind of just like are we all i mean i can't help but feel a little bit complicit where i'm just like i know i want to help but i don't also it's also very difficult to like i mean it's hard to help it's it, you know all the issues are very overwhelming i had a buddy of mine who we got into it about um it was back when the Kaepernick shit was jumping off with the cops and everything. And, mm-hmm. and he was like, well, you should go into politics. I'm like, no, I'm not going into politics. Like <laughs> I'm I, like living my life. It, uh, and this, and it goes back really well to like the, what you said earlier about like leading by example, which is something right. I've always like tried to practice. Yeah. And it's like, and Hey, I'm no fucking saint, like not lead by example, like in all <laughs> things in my life. But like, if I, like, if I believe that there's too much like police violence, for example, right. I can donate to to, to uh, politicians who I think are working against that. I can volunteer with Pops the Club. I can, you know, t- tweet or Instagram like don't support movies that uh, like mythologize police. Like I don't need to be a politician to affect change or influence people. You know, in fact, you and may I, have more change by not being a politician. Hundred percent. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think like things like this podcast and, you know, any number of works that people are doing Our are valuable. Project. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, these things are useful just to like make other people feel like, oh, it's okay to t speak out on that, to talk about right. that, to like have these conversations in a way that it doesn't need to be antagonistic, you know? Right. But there are, but there are other ways to think about things. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I definitely feel that. Cause I feel like, especially when we talk, you definitely help me keep a balance of like the criticism that I have and also the, the like productive vision, which is why I kind of started this podcast is like, how do we take our criticism of the past and what have you and like learn from it? But like, what is our ability to like, I feel like there's one thing no one can control is your imagination. And so how mm -hmm. do we imagine new futures? And so mm -hmm. that's why I just like hearing your perspective on like, you know, if you had no limits, because obviously police, everyone, not just the police are not the only people policing us. It's it's advertising, no, policing our desires. Sure. And so police are all around us. And in the inner the inner police inside our heads, whatever you want, to, you know, th that image of like there's all these voices that are that are competing for whatever mm. might you might consider authentic you, you know, mm -hmm. Damien's authentic thoughts mm -hmm. of the future. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so how do we allow our, how do we give ourselves permission to think of a future that we actually want to mm -hmm. be in is just got to get up of. at five thirty in the morning and work on it. Yeah. You, you need to intermittent fast. Uh, we didn't even get into that stuff. I wanted to, I wanted to wrap up the podcast with just like a couple kind of, kind of standard, you know, podcast sure. slash just like this is getting the rap, to know rapid someone. Fire, rapid fire round. Rapid, this is just, I just want to ask you like, you know, like if you could obviously like, Obviously, some people just, I wouldn't change anything or anything like that. But if you met yourself, like, like if you met yourself at like age, like 10, yeah. what would you kind of like have? And, and, you know, you were receptive. The, the, the younger you was like actually receptive to like, just like a 60 second, 90 second, like, kind of like, you're just like walking mm -hmm. and you, you, you're like encountering yourself. What would sure, you kind of yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finish everything that you start. That would be it. You oh, know, yeah. it's just like, it's so, it's such a simple statement, but I think it, for a creative person, like I was as a kid who didn't have any role models who were, who were actively like, like winning at life and yeah. succeeding and completing things. Like I didn't have a good example of somebody who was like, get up, go to work, do the, you know, go through the drudgery of life every day. Like I didn't, like I didn't have those role models. Mm -hmm. um, and I had like so many ideas as a kid. Like I had a comic book, I had like I had a bunch of characters. I, had, I remember like I starting randomly starting a story on my girlfriend's living room computer. That was just a bit like I had all, I was crazy. You know, I had all these stories and, and, and begin, like I had a lot of beginnings of things mm -hmm. that I would just abandon because I didn't know about follow through. I didn't know what it was to like a draft of something. You know, I only knew how to start. Yeah. And I, I would just tell that 10 year old dude to like, if you're right, if you, if, if, if you love comic books, how many pages are in a comic book? Do you know that? I didn't fucking know. Like I, when I was 10 years old, I didn't know. Yeah. You know, now I guess, oh, probably 36. Okay, well then, if you want to write comic books and you have these two characters that you love and you mm -hmm. write stories about them, well, then you got to come up with 36 pages. So do that. 
But I didn't know, I, like, I, I got to the point of, like, creating characters and, like, oh, then they had adventures and that was it, mm-hmm. you right. know? And it's something so simple, you know? It's, like, just complete something, you know? Right. You got to finish your mission. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, for real. That's, that's yeah, that's, that's definitely, like, yeah, that's... That's deep. Because <laughs> you don't really like, and because the thing about com- the, the, one of the great blessings about completing a thing is that is the only way you know whether or not you actually like it. Right. I, I didn't, I, I didn't know that for for decades, bro. Right. Like I didn't know that for a <laughs> long time. Like I started yeah. a bunch of things and it wasn't until I finished something that I was like, like with the part black project, there was a point where I was like a couple weeks, like a, a couple months ago, just sort of getting overwhelmed because there were so many people and I was like working on my book and working on uh, work, mm-hmm. you know, and then doing the part black project, like in my spare time, which is non-existent. Right. And I just told my girlfriend, I'm like, fuck, I should, I should stop this. Like I did it. And like, I got, and she's like, what are you talking about? And like, mm-hmm. I, I just got to, what I got to, and like I, the post I did a couple of weeks ago where it's like, I have to just change the approach to it, you know? Cause like yeah. doing it every week, somebody every day, like it, it's just like, it's too fucking much. So like, don't, don't quit. You know, if you're doing something you enjoy, just adjust the approach if it's overwhelming, you know, yeah. that would be like the other side of like the finish something. Like idea don't be a perfectionist like, almost, or don't be like an absolutist in some yeah, way. Yeah. You know, like if you're doing something that there's, there's many ways to do a thing, you know? Yeah. Here, if you have any, not for like everyone, just for people who already are on like the same vibe as your work mm-hmm. and feel, you know, to, to the listeners, like what, is a book that you'd recommend and mm-hmm. what is like, you know, a recent movie or maybe not recent that you'd be like, this mm-hmm. is a gem and you probably don't know about it. Mm-hmm. Like you're missing out. Um, a writer, a writer is easy because as a writer and a thinker, the, 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 the individual I'm most um, sympathetic to and mm-hmm. feel the most sort of allegiance to is James Baldwin. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, clearly two di- completely different people from completely different periods in time mm-hmm. and different backgrounds, different everything, you know, but what Baldwin I think does not get enough uh, credit or attention for is how much of a contrarian he was. And so much of all the black power shit that was going on and not shit like respectfully, all the, like all the black power stuff, yeah, all, yeah. you know, all, all of the, the civil rights stuff that was going on yeah. when Baldwin was active he was actually quite critical of like a lot of stuff. Um, he wasn't scared. Like I'm, I'm in the middle of reading, um, a bunch of his collected works, but like somebody had coordinated a trip for him to go meet, um, Elijah Muhammad. Right. And he was like, these niggas is crazy. Like these Muslim dudes are like out of their minds. Like I I, I can't live like this, you know? (laughs) And this was like one, it was like, I think Malcolm X was still working with Elijah Muhammad at the time or just like shortly after his passing. It was in that window anyway, you know? And it was just like- Before he had had like the the big falling out with him. Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I can't say, but like Baldwin is somebody who's like a true, like an individual thinker, you know? He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't afraid to write things that were critical of, of his community and his, right. his, his neighborhood. And, and like, and Malcolm X would be the other person. Cause 
I'm a huge admirer of like how Malcolm X changed over the course of his yeah. life. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, like you saw people are like, people like to push the imagery of him being like a role model for black people only, mm -hmm. but at the end of his life and why he got killed is because he became an advocate for all people. Right. And for me, that's tremendously important, you know, and it's, right. and it's, and it says a lot about our world, you know, mm -hmm. the world that we're living in that like, when somebody, when somebody's life became about everyone, became all inclusive, is right. when he became dangerous. You know, right. Baldwin similarly, like he, Baldwin hung out with mostly white dudes. He, right. he writes about it a lot. Like he didn't yeah. find, he didn't have a community, like a lot of, like a, a lot of fellowship with other black writers. Like a lot of his fellow, especially his like, friends were yeah. other white writers. Yeah. Um, and so that that awareness that that he is an individual, despite the f color of his skin, or yeah. his, for him, like his 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 sexual orientation, right. like these were not the those things did not define him. His right. mind and his writing defined him, and that's right. very important to me. Um, did you want to say something? Uh, no, I, I love that. Yeah, those are two of my idols. So I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm fanning out. So nice, nice, he, nice. He wrote James Baldwin wrote something that I think gets to your like the the truly i mean as the individual who believes in in everyone but it's like he was able to say he said some stuff like he also didn't like earn being earnest he like has this this thing about like he writes in the beginning of one of his books it might be the fire next time i can't remember which one it is but i remember reading it and it's just a, a small line about like how he like he's not afraid to voice like he dislikes this like performance of earnest of, of what it means to be earnest in your writing mm -hmm, or whatever, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because he's like, he's, he's about vulnerability, but also about these, like, he just like puts himself out there mm -hmm. in this way. I, I can't really do it justice, but mm -hmm. go and read some James Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. yeah. Baldwin and Malcolm X, man, those, those, those two are, uh, huge influences for me in, t in terms of like my thinking, you know? Yeah. Um, in film, man, cinema, shit, I don't know. You know, I, I, I... Yeah, this is not an exhaustive... This, because I, I would be in the same place where it's very difficult to... I mean, like, I mean, my, like, my favorite films is different than, like, what I think the most important films are. Right. You know? I mean, and, yeah, and so... it's just, like, I, like, I think everybody should, you know, one of the things that I, I... Particularly, like, when it comes... Like, when I'm training younger editors yeah is to watch music videos you know and appreciate the cinema that exists mm. and the work from like early spike jones and the beastie boys oh, and like hype williams and you know music videos when they were still when they when they were still considered works of art you know when it when it wasn't you know when we weren't such a a, a hyper uh monetized culture which is like it seems like it's always been like that but like when MTV was just exploding, you can look at those music videos and those are standalone works of cinema. You know, right. they weren't just products, you know, mm -hmm. and over, over the years, like, again, I, I, I can, my biggest reference point is Spike Jones and the work he did with the Beastie Boys. Cool. And, and you look at that stuff and it's just like, they're having fun. You know, most of those videos, there's no story. It gets back to my point earlier about like, well, what is cinema and what's valuable? Mm -hmm. And it's like, 
Does it have to do with feeling when you watch those? Is it about like emotion? Uh, like the well, creation? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or the, so this, and yeah. this is a great point because the, like the quality of footage, right. Yeah. Like so often they're the, the quality of the footage is trash. You <laughs> right. know, it's very punk rock. Yeah, yeah. The aesthetic is very punk, you know? Yeah. And so like, it's not about a beautiful picture. Mm hmm. And the, the richness of colors and the contrast and all these sort of photographic things. Like, it's not about that. It's about the energy, right. you know, when you, and, 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 and these music videos, they don't have sto stories. Stories are afterthought, you know, it's just about yeah. the rapping and the performance and, and that energy. And you combine like their performance yeah. and these, and uh, these are effectively portraits of a band, okay. you know? Yeah. So in that sense, there's a photographic element, but like that gets us, you know, a, a Anyway, I don't like. No, I, I feel you because what I'm hearing, kind of what I'm hearing is like that editing, this is, goes back to the editing thing, which is mm -hmm. like editing gives it and it gives the energy. It like gives well, it's maybe shaped. the utmost, like utmost part of what is giving you energy from, you know, like whether you wanted this to be like, I want this to be like, it's a very subtle edit if you like, I want this to be horror or I want it to be funny. There's like something very, for I sure. Feel like an editor can control that. Yeah, and they with, do. With what just very subtle energy, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I guess you're helping me, you're giving me language to talk with, which is like, which I well, love. Well, it's like what an editor, an editor is shaping a thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like sculpting something out of time. Yeah. And, you know, somebody like Spike Jones or, mm -hmm. you know, early like David Fincher, who's probably my favorite contemporary director. Yeah. You know, you look at his early music videos and they're fucking every one of them is a master work, you know. Um, and what editing does is like it's directing. Mm -hmm. It's 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 an extension of directing, because when I start and stop and edit where I choose to place an edit is directing it what to see next. You know, and like what, how, what that energy is, is it fast? Is it slow? Is it, um, propulsive? Is it you know, whatever, you know, like it's about, it's about rhythm, which makes cinema much closer to, to music, which is oh, why yeah. I love music videos. You know, it's like, so, oh, like yeah, so yeah. there's so much focus on cinema being like some sort of bastard child of, of literature and storytelling mm. when really the best cinema is, has a relationship much closer to music. You know, it's about rhythm, it's about pacing, it's about energy, it's about tone, it's about emotion. And like words on a page, the, the writing of it, the form of writing possesses those things. The idea of a story in and of itself, mm -hmm. a story is just a story. A story is just material with which to practice cinema, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that makes me think of just... Just like sound is sound is sound is something to pr with which to practice music, you know. Right. It's like people don't walk around saying, "Oh, sounds! I want more sounds," <laughs> you know. And then you're, okay, well, let's make some music. It's the reverse, you know. Right. And life and stories are just the material that we use to practice cinema, not the right. other way around. And I think that's when <laughs> yeah. you get into a, 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 a propagandistic one. state with cinema and stories and serializations, right. because if everything is about story. Mm -hmm then what you're doing is you're constantly in a state of manipulation. You're constantly mm -hmm. in a state of feeding you a narrative. Right. Like, I don't, that's not what I want to do with my life, constantly feeding a narrative to people. Like, I'm not interested yeah. in that. I'm interested in beauty. Maybe. I mean, the mic's been over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, well, no, I'm, 
I'm curious if maybe I have a, a kind of thought, which which I want to see if this is maybe what you edit for, which is like you maybe you've like been thinking about this as well, which is like there's a lot of people talking about like flow state or how to get into a state of timelessness mm -hmm. and how to yeah, get into yeah, yeah. how do we be how do we become free of the chattering of our own minds in something that we yeah there's no other way that i can say this but a space of timelessness and flow and maybe not only maybe the act of editing can get you there but then the product of what you've edited i guess like when i when i stumble around and say like what does it mean for an edit to be successful it's like did it get you to a place of like where you experienced timelessness because i feel like the best songs that i love the songs that i love the, the films that i love they give me not only like a vibe but i forget about time when i experience yeah it. yeah so yeah. like do you experience that how do you yeah. feel about that yeah, yeah. <laughs> no that's 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 the goal you know and when i talk about seeing the royal tenenbaums 25 times in a theater or <laughs> yeah. uh once upon a time in hollywood seven times and counting <laughs> you know it's because it, it 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 works in a very similar sort of yeah. Uh, there's a hypnotic quality. There's a flow state quality. Yeah. That you know, to me, the greatest films don't have the the, the tightest plots. Mm -hmm. It's actually for me, the greatest films have the most space for me to participate intellectually and emotionally. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, 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 what is widely considered to be like really great filmmaking is when the plot points, like everything connects and everything makes sense, and like all the story points, like. Tie together at the end in a neat little bow. I'm like, fuck that noise. Like, yeah, I want space right. in a film where I can like place myself, my own curiosity, my own energy, my own uh, dreams and desires and thoughts, and like yeah. transport. You know, like transport me somewhere emotionally, physically, temporally, like all of that. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. I want all of that. I don't want to know what happened. Who yeah. gives a fuck what happened? You know what I mean? Like it's just it's a, i don't know there's a billion stories right there's a billion stories there's there, like this is a story that we just experienced like it's a it's all there's stories all the right. time yeah the lights went but out but an emotion is this something is, yeah. special you know right and 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 intangible and right. amorphous like how do you like a, an emotion is like and an emotion can stay with you i don't yeah. know like that's the shit I care about. Yeah, no, <laughs> like I'm people care, like a lot of people care about stories, and it's yeah. great. Stories are great. We need stories. But I think, it, yeah, oh, yeah. No, it sucks. Like when you know, okay, this is a template of a film. Oh, there's gonna be a plot twist. Yeah, yeah. In twenty minutes, right. <laughs> and something. Yeah, like oh no, just watch a movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like some some of this stuff reminds me of like what when the beginning of like because I grew up with like a lot of funk music, and it's like mm -hmm. there was a lot of this. It makes me think of just the general, where it, be, it wasn't about productivity or about taking away this point. It was about move yourself and become, you know, I mean, there's obviously a lot of hippie stuff, which I'm down with. I'm like very, <laughs> like, while I love this productivity and this like organization and structure, there's also a part of me that really wants to be free mm -hmm. of this like measuring this like that's what stories can do is like did we arrive at the beginning middle end and conclusion and intro mm -hmm. and like maybe that's what i'm hearing you say is kind of like this freedom from this like rule the rule this rules this structure this like thing that is like well it's all it's not about sure you have aesthetics and you have mood and feeling and and emo and energy through the film but the point was did we tell the story right right you know what i mean well yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I would say because I think to say right or correct is is a, a, for me a bit imprecise, you know, because what yeah. is right the the right way is subjective, right? But for it to be done well, but is, well is based on whoever sets the well standards, you know. What I mean, so I guess I think we mean the same thing. Sure, yeah, right? yeah, we do, we do, we do. I'm, I'm just being a dick. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. We're saying this the is the best thing. place for it on camera. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like nobody get you know. You you don't go to the beach and uh, like walk out into the ocean and ask yourself what's the story here. Yeah, you just enjoy it. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been so awesome. I know it's like. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Can you just remind people like several of your projects and where you know your website and where people? Yeah. Can just... I, my name is Damien Bellavo. D A M I E N. My name is Damien Bellavo, D-A-M-I-E-N-B-E-L-L-I-V-E-A-U. And that's my website address. That's my Instagram. That is my Twitter. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but the presence exists. I do not. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the, people can find me in all those places doing all those things. Okay, awesome. Is there yeah. anything that we didn't get to cover that you kind of were itching to just... Talk no, about? no, yeah, we got it. Okay, cool. Val, yeah, we're good. All right, awesome. all right, Thanks, we're signing guys. out. Thank Appreciate you for coming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We killed all the lights. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>